Hi everyone, welcome back to another episode of Success in Sales, Hacks and Chats. And we have a very special guest joining us. We've got Trevor Crane joining me. Trevor, thanks for being a guest on the show. Hey, my pleasure to be here. We're going to have some fun today. Yeah, I can't wait. And uh, Trevor is an 11 times, so that's 11 times best-selling author. And he is the owner of Epic Author Publishing. So, I can't wait to dive into the, the book process and everything. So, I thought we'd, we'd start with quite, a, I guess, a simple question for someone that's written so many books is, is your process the same from book to book? Or what's the process of writing and coming up with the book ideas change for you from book one to book 11? Hey, it's a really good question, and um, let me just start with, you know, it sounds really cool when somebody introduces me and says that I've published 11 books, but I struggled to get my first book done for 20 years, so call me wow. stupid because I don't know how yes. many people fail that much to, uh, in getting it done, but I made every excuse under the sun um, about not getting it done, and it's not like I... We, you know, it's not like I wasn't doing anything. It was just that whatever I did didn't equal the book. I mean, I thought I was working on this manuscript, that manuscript. I thought I had a great idea when I was 20. I thought I had a great idea when I was 30. I thought I had a great idea when I was 40, you know, and then I, I at some stage I thought, well, I haven't, um, I, maybe I'm, I'm not smart enough. Like, who am I? Like, and I, and I'm, and I haven't accomplished enough. Like, who would ever want to listen to me? And, um, you know, so I, I guess I'm sharing that with everybody because it sounds too sexy sometimes to just like, hey, this guy's, this jackass has got a whole bunch of uh, books. Cool. See, what happened is within the first, when I finally broke down and did what your audience is doing right now, they're listening to someone about how to get this done, how to do it right. I hired my first mentor. He helped me, and not my first mentor, but my first mentor about books. And I came to him with book idea number one. And he basically shot it down. Now, he was a cool mentor. He didn't just say that bad idea, Trevor, because that would have sucked. Like, I would have felt, oh, yeah. no. What do you mean? <laughs> he, he did a better job by asking me questions to find out if it was the right book for me. And it, although it was a great passion of mine and it was I wanted to write a book that actually was uh, on, the, on the foundation of this question I asked myself when – that I thought saved my life. Like I had filed a bankruptcy at one stage and instead of being this depressed, um, you know, I, I, I mean, it did really suck, by the way. I don't recommend anybody file a $2.2 million bankruptcy. No. But like I was the happiest bankrupt dude you ever would have met. Why? I mean, okay, I cried sometimes. <laughs> Let's be real. <laughs> Yeah. But I asked a core question, and I thought that this question gave me a great quality of life, even when I lost my houses, my cars, the woman I was with left me, took our two-year-old daughter, left the state, and said, Trevor, you're on your fucking own. Like, it was – and so uh, during all of that, and I'm not saying it was all happy-pappy. That was not happy-pappy stuff. But what happened is that question, I thought, man, this is a core part. I should share this with the world. I even wrote a poem about it. And I'm like, me, a poem? Yeah, I wrote a poem. I mean, it rhymed. And I'm like, and then I, I wrote the book. I had the book idea. I put, put all this energy into it. I'm like, it's going to be so great. It's going to help people. And my friend was asking me a couple questions. He's like, well, what's the business behind it? Like once they get this poem and this question and whatnot, what are they going to do next? And I'm like, <sighs> Michael, they'll, they'll love it. They'll, uh, and then, <laughs> then they'll like it a lot. And then, and they said, and then what? And I was like, well, and then, 
then they'll then they'll change their lives. Okay, and then what? I'm like, is that going to make you happy? And I'm like, yeah. And he goes, really? Like, what do you really want? And I'm like, well, I wish they would buy something from me. Now, that's not exactly what I said. And I don't think I, I sounded that stupid. But what <laughs> I realized is it wasn't the first book I should write. It didn't make sense with my brand. As a business consultant, helping business owners like add more clients and make more sales and sell high-ticket products and services, and I was really good at it. And then I was like, okay, okay, okay. So I came up with another book idea. And I am, Michael, actually answering your question about do I approach the process of writing a book or do I help my clients in the same way? And the answer is yes. And I'm going to give everybody some questions today that you can ask and answer that my mentor first gave me so you can figure out how to write the right book. But I came up with my second book idea, again, something that was close to my heart. My grandfather had passed away at age 92, and I thought I found the secrets to living a great quality of life, and I had this whole massive, and my mentor asked me a few questions, and that didn't make sense. It's like, well, hold on. Are you going to be the expert that talks about grandpa? Like, it, it was confusing. How does that lead to, how does the poem writing grandpa loving guy lead into anything in regards to... Uh, what I was doing business-wise. It was just confusing. I mean, it was cute, you know, it was really cute, but it didn't make any sense. So no. it wasn't until I came with my fourth, I think it was my fourth book idea, what we did is we came up with really like, what do I do best? And at the time, as a consultant, like my, what I did is I helped people close business and make high-ticket sales. And he's like, well, why don't you teach that? And I was like, well, 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 hey, but that's what people pay me for. Like, they pay me a lot of money for that. Like, I, I, I can't just give that away. He's like, yeah, give it away. And I was like, well, uh, hold on. That's like my awesomeness. Like, my people hire me from this awesome awesomeness. I, I don't know if I actually said that either at the time. But, <laughs> but he's like, just, he goes, what you got to do in life is find your gifts and give them away. He's like, do what you do best. He goes, this book you could probably write in your sleep. And Michael, I wrote that book. Once I got clarity around the message of that book, I wrote it in 24 hours, like two, wow. four, 24 hours. I actually did it back to back, which is not what I would recommend doing. It was too much stress. I had a deadline and, and that's another part of what I teach is that if you have a deadline, you find a way to get it done. But within the next 12 months, not only did that book uh, become a number one bestseller, but it also helped me 10X my income. So, Michael, I just want you to take a moment right now and have everybody take a moment right now. And you hear the number 10x a lot. It sounds like bullshit. Like you listen to Grant Cardone, you're like, oh my God, 10x sounds awesome. And it is awesome. But think about it. What's the most money you've ever made? And write it down. Write down the number. Was it 60 grand, 600 grand, 6 million, whatever it is, whatever the m most money you've ever made, write it down. And then put a zero on the back of that. And like, tell me whether or not that's a result you're happy with. Like I was freaking out of my mind and it is not, I want to be really clear here, Michael, I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't sell a million books and then become this, and it wasn't money that I made because of all the book sales. It was right. the business, the products and services on the back end. Oh, yeah. So in answer to the question of do I go through the same process, yeah, I'm going to talk today about the difference between a starving author, somebody who does it the fucking wrong way, which is something I did for 20 years, so I got this down. 
<laughs> like I know how not to do it. But I also am going to share with you how to become an epic author so that your book becomes this message that connects with the core audience of people that can't wait to go ahead and join your movement, join your mission, and like and and, and buy your stuff, like and and take things to the next level with you so that you can change their lives and truly provide transformation. So um, I'll share with you some of the questions that you can ask and answer to make sure you write the right book and how to make sure you avoid that starving author state. How's that? Go for it. Yeah, let's go. Okay, and, and at one stage you're going to ask a question, or I, I know I was just on a rant. I warned you that when you <laughs> ask me questions, I'm not going to shut the hell up. So, what was there something you wanted clarity around, or to poke fun at me, or something? What was it? Well, well, I guess the the only thing that I am curious about. I don't know whether you're going to cover this anyway in the questions. You see, that's why I don't want to uh, say it now and go, "Hang on, that's that's like the fourth one." Uh, so, what, what what I was thinking was, how do you take them from the book? to the business because platforms like 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 uh, i think there's amazon and things like that is mm -hmm. it's hard to to track the the sales and get their their information so you can do anything with them after that so mm -hmm. i guess that is one of the questions that's one of the things that you were probably asked when you were writing your books so i think that if you already cover that then i'll sort of let you go for it but if not then i i'd hope that we touch on that well, please just keep interjecting when you when you call bullshit at any time, brother, because nobody else is here to do that for you. So the, the audience <laughs> is listening. So if you're like, hold on, I missed that. Like, what happened? Like, then then slow me down. So here's the thing: um, most people jack this up, and I think it's Kevin Costner's fault. So let me go ahead and just because Kevin Costner, this freaking bastard, is a liar. <laughs> I say that <laughs> if I meet Kevin Costner, I'm actually I love Kevin Costner, but I'm just saying. Yeah. Hold on. Let's go back to the movie. One of the movies he's famous for, Field of Dreams. Do you remember the phrase in there? If I build it, what happens, Michael? If they build, if you build it, they will come, I think is the, uh, right. the term. Oh, my God. And it's so good for Shoeless Joe Jackson, man. It, I mean, but here's the thing. <laughs> I think that was the character in the book. Yeah. If you build it, if you write your book, people assume, man, you – like if they, if. They, they're like, oh, if I build it, they will come. I'll just have this book, and then it'll magically it, whatever the freaking hell it is, will just magically show up. Bullshit. It's a lie. If you build it, it will not come. So here's what happens, brother. Most people, myself included, for freaking decades, uh, decades, uh, I jacked this up. I got all inspired by somebody telling me that I had a story that might be cool to hear, whether it was when I was 20, 30, 40, like we evolved, right? So different things happen in our lives and somebody you think, you look in the mirror and you're like, man, you should tell your story. You know, you, you overcame a, a great hardship. You discovered a really cool way to do X, Y, or Z. And you're like, I know what I'll do. I listened to that guy, Trevor Crane, on that podcast. I'm going to start writing a book. And you know what? Fuck it. I'm not going to do the same thing that everybody else did. I am going to do it. Seriously, I'm going to get up this weekend. I'm going to start getting up early in the morning, and I'm just going to write. I'm going to write for an hour a day, and I'm just going to write, write, write. Okay, cool. So let's say, let's use another example. You and I are all inspired to write, to, to live in our dream home. I know what I'm going to do. I want to build my own dream home. And I'm so excited. I want it to be over the beach. I want it to be amazing. It's going to have a big old bathroom and a big old kitchen and whatever. And you're thinking about it. You're like, I'm all fired up. I'm going to go and I'm going to go to Home Depot and I'm going to buy some wood and I'm going to buy some nails. And this weekend I'm getting out there and I'm going to start building it in my backyard. Here's the thing. 
ain't nothing you're building in your backyard is going to be any home you're moving into. I mean, it might be a birdhouse. It might be a doghouse. <laughs> yeah. It might be, if you're really ambitious, you build one in the trees for your kids and you're like, oh my God, look at that, a tree house. But it is not your dream house, man. That is not how it goes down. If you want to build a dream house, one that you can't wait to move into, not a freaking doghouse man out in the back, that's when you get your ass kicked from your wife, you know, and you more like set up a tent. <laughs> that's ha actually hasn't <laughs> happened. So I'm not sure that that happens to anybody, but I have seen it on TV. So it must yeah. be true. Someone must have done that at one stage. Must happen sometime, yeah. It must have. So if you're going to build a dream house, you start with an architect who helps you design a blueprint and you get really detailed about that blueprint before anybody lifts a hammer and then you hire a team of people <clears throat> probably a, a, a contractor who already knows a lot of different types of people he probably knows a roofer and a plumber and a concrete guy and all other kinds of crew that comes in to do it most of us jack this up so the question the original question was how so help people write a book or well, how do you know it's the right book I'm, I'm evolving your question a little bit but it's that you start with your plan, the blueprint, understanding what book you're writing and why. So think of like books. People think of, I have a book. It is just going to bring in magical stuff like the Kevin Costner thing. But think about, uh, I'm guessing you have tools at home, Michael. You probably have a toolbox of some sort in the garage or somewhere, right? Yep. Okay. So now let's say that the, the door to your kitchen, uh, the, the refrigerator is squeaking. And I'm like, well, here's a chainsaw, dude. Fix it. Like the problem is, is that each tool has a specific job, that the chainsaw is not the appropriate tool to fix the freaking squeaky refrigerator door. Maybe it's a little itty bitty Allen key. You know, this chainsaw is actually good for shit like cutting down trees and stuff. So, you know, every tool has a different purpose. What happens is most of us get inspired. We get frustrated. We're like, you do it. I just want to start it. So then we start like we go into the backyard and start writing. And the thing is, is most of the time, my mission with my clients is to tell them to stop writing, stop creating. And you actually said, brother, well, how do people leverage their books into money and making money and growing a list? Because Amazon, those bastards, they don't give you the email address from anybody who buys and all I know is they sold a book and then you made a dollar. Like, congratulations, you made a dollar. Like, freaking, what are you going to buy with that? Not even a coffee. So, you're, you're, it's not much money. And then you don't even know the person who bought it, so you're jacked. Because most people get this wrong. They think that the book is the thing, and it's not. The book is step one. The book is the foundation. Like at what point do you go into a house, a beautiful mansion, and you look up and you're like, oh my God, this is so beautiful. The foundation of this house must be beautiful. It's beautiful. No. <laughs> the foundation's underground, man. What you're admiring is the friggin' faux painting. Or look at the backsplash in the kitchen. It's amazing. All the bullshit, other, other shit, but the foundation of your business and your brand and everything is this book. It's the first thing. If it's not there and it's not solid and the more awesome your platform and your brand and your book is, the more badass that is, then the cooler everything else it can be on top. When they build big buildings, they dig down in the ground real deep to go ahead and build the foundation of your book. And if you start with that, and most people jack this up, they think they move right to creation. They get inspired by, I'm going to write my book in the weekend. He said 24 hours. But okay, that was 24 hours after a lot of freaking thought. I didn't tell you I wrote my book in 24 hours. I said I had one book idea, 
And my mentor said, mm, ask me great questions, just find out that wasn't the right book for me. And then another book idea, and then I failed on that one. And then another and another. It wasn't until I found the, the thing that I was able to create it quickly. So that can take time. So I will shift this around for everyone today. The difference between the journey of a starving author and an epic author is the starving author thinks they've got a great idea. Everybody you know, here, you can imagine this. I have a great idea. I'm going to write a book. And, so they, and then they pull out their pen and they start writing. Oh my gosh. And then they're like, oh, and then they, and they, and they got their computer and they start typing away. And after a long period of time, significant months and years they go on sabbatical to write their book like you've heard of this right and yeah. then they finally write their book and they finish it which so few people do so anybody who's finished a book out there you are a freaking badass congratulations because most people don't so you got it done and then you're like aha, aha. I'm like kevin costner i built it now they will come and they're like shit nobody came like my mom said it was nice my next door neighbor <laughs> read it and they're like, well, what am I going to do now? And then I sold seven of them on Amazon. Um, where, where, where's all the accolades? And even I have people who are really well-known media personalities in their particular niche. I have a new client of mine from Australia. And she's like, most people think she's this total freaking badass. Because she wrote a couple of best books that became bestsellers. And she, she never made any real money behind it. And she went, the traditional publisher, who then she got about a dollar per book. And over the series of about eight years, she sold about 20,000 books or whatever it was. Like, and, and do the math. How much money is that per year? And then she didn't really offer anything else in the back end. But she was famous. She was on media. And then she didn't know how to leverage that anything. So she came to me and just became my client for her new book. And we're going through the same process. Because most people get that book done like she did and said, well, I just need to do more marketing for it. And then she did more marketing. And then the only thing that they had to buy was the freaking book because it had no relevance to anything extra, nothing else, it, zip, zilch, nothing. And she made a dollar on the back end. Well, you're going to get really rich that way. I mean, and if you have a gigantic following, I mean, if you already have 4 million people to follow you on Instagram, then dude, you know, you can probably sell a book and you're going you're gonna to make a killing. That's yeah. no problem. Because you sell a whole bunch, you sell millions of anything for a buck and you're cool. And you might sell for 10 bucks. There's a lot of cool ways to do it. But most people think once their book is done, now I will start marketing. And then they start marketing this piece of shit. Now it's not a piece of shit. It's just that you didn't ask anybody anything about your book. You put your head down for your sabbatical and you wrote this amazing masterpiece with zip, zilch, zero, nothing, no marketing idea or, or system or platform or anything. And now you're like trying to sell this box and you didn't get any feedback on the cover. Not really. And I don't care what publisher blew smoke up your ass about how great your cover was. That is not it. And just because you thought it looked really good blue and they were going to make it black, but you were smarter and you made it blue with freaking clouds on it. It's amazing. But then people are like, why do you have blue clouds on your book? I don't really understand. And then they don't do shit. And then they're like, well, I didn't make any money. Like, well, maybe, maybe if I start selling this somehow and if I start speaking and then I could sell it and I'll make money. And then they're like, well, shit, I wrote the wrong book. And then they start over. This is the path of the starving author. So the path to be an epic author. If you don't want to waste all that damn time and write the wrong book, and, I, and I'm not saying your book's a piece of shit. I'm saying that you weren't considerate of how you're going to use the tool in your toolbox. You got a chainsaw that's badass, but what you really needed was the Allen key. And another way to look at your book is it's a, it's a, it's, it's a key that opens a door 
and a door. Imagine a mansion. A mansion has all these rooms in it, like these beautiful, amazing rooms, right? Like what door do you need access to? Like if you're looking for the bathroom, you have something very specific that's going to go down in the bathroom. You know, and it ain't the washing machine and it isn't the king size bed, you know? And it's just <laughs> confusing too. Oftentimes people put there like, well, shit, I need a king size bed. I'm going to throw it in the room. And you know that I need a bathroom. So then right, right next to the bed is the shitter and right next to the shitter is the washing machine and the kitchen sink. And you're like, well, why did the author put all this in this chapter? I'm just kind of confused because they didn't think it through. They didn't do the blueprint first. So to be an epic author, and I have my company's called Epic Author Publishing, we flip this whole thing upside down. The new, the, and here, everybody write this down. I'm going to give you four words to make it really easy. Mission, money, marketing, and then make your book. Mission, money, marketing, then make your book. Most people make their book. And they do the marketing. Then they hope they make some money. And it'll make them feel good because now they've met their mission. Bullshit. That is the wrong way to do it. Get clear about your mission first. Why do you want this? What is this book for? Who's it going to help? I'll give you guys four questions you can ask and answer. Also, to help you make sure you write the right book. I'll give those to you in a second. But let's focus on mission first. Get clear about what this book is for. And when you think of it like a key that opens a door, a door to a room, a room in a mansion, what's going down in that room? See, your book should be that specific and your book will be the key that opens the door to what people are going to do in the room. And so if you think of it in this way, then there is a mission behind the book. The book is supposed to open something up so that there's something next. What is next? You make money. That's number two. What is it that you can sell them? Yes, I am asking you to sell something to someone from your book. Have your book lead to you to make a sale of a product or a service for them to get more help, more guidance. What, the reason why I 10x my income when I wrote the book High Paying Clients is it was the roadmap. I'm like, here you go. And people said, shit, this is great. Thanks, Trev. Uh, could you help me some more? And I said, sure. So I get people to book call appointments with me and calls from me and buy some of my stuff all the time because they're like, Trevor, this book was great. Could you give me some more help? And I'm like, sure, here you go. Here's a course. Here's some coaching. Here's a program. Here's my support. You know, you want to partner with me and I'll help you hook this up. Like this makes a lot of sense. You can sell a course, coaching, consulting, mentorship, a product, a service, whatever it is. There's basically 13 things that I teach that you can pick from. You just have it go someplace. You can sell software, you can sell a lot of different stuff that give them more value. Because nobody opened, you got, just imagine you're in a mansion. You're like, man, I got to go to the bathroom. Can someone have the key? You ever gone to the service station? You're like, can I use your bathroom? And they're like, I got to give you the key. You're like, give me the damn key. I got to go to the bathroom. And then you go unlock the door and <laughs> are you satisfied? You're like, there you go. I unlocked it. Okay, good. I'm good. Now you piss in your pants. You got to get in the room and use the toilet, right? And using the toilet, using your products and services. Boy, that sounds really, I should probably pick a different analogy rather than your products probably, yeah. like the toilet. <laughs> so imagine it's more like you're cooking uh, food in the kitchen and they need to walk. I don't know. <laughs> you come up with a better analogy, but you, you give them the gift of giving them more. What are you going to offer people? Don't do what Al Gore did to me. Because I've got a thing for Kevin Costner. I've got, I've got a bone to pick with him. Like, I just told you. And I don't really. I'm just using it as, for fun. And I, and I want to give you some, I want to give Al Gore some shit here too. Because Al Gore went, uh, was our vice president in the States here. And uh, he went for, uh, he, was, he was going for president at one point. You, did you know that, Mike? Do you know the name Al Gore? Uh, I don't know. Okay, cool. So it was a few years back. He was uh, 
George W. Bo- George Bush's uh, uh, vice president, and he was going for president. Oh, okay. And yeah. then he um, he wrote the he he had a presentation called "An Inconvenient Truth." You might be familiar with that. He uh, it was about global warming. And he did this great presentation. And on a weekend, one time when I was on my own, my wife abandoned me for whatever reason. And I, had, and I went to the library. I got this uh, DVD of The Inconvenient Truth, which was about, about global warming. I'm like, all right, you know, I'll, I'll watch this thing. Like, it was one of those things that I'd heard about. I kind of got it. Global warming, you know, that sucks. Ice caps melting. But I watched this documentary or this, this, um, this presentation by Al Gore. And he said, man... We're melting our planet, and he gave all this evidence, and I was actually riveted. I was sitting on the edge of my seat, and I was like, dude, and we'll talk about mission. I was there. Like, save the planet, man. And so I'm like, Al Gore, you rock. Like, he lost the presidency when he went for it, and a lot of people said it's because he was boring. <laughs> but I did not think he was boring in this presentation. Like, I, it was well done. And I was sitting on the edge of my seat. And Mike, I was like, man, how can I save the planet? I want to band arms with this Al Gore. Like, he sold me hook, line, and sinker. And then at the end of the presentation, and imagine this being the end of your book, I got to the end, and then he was like, there you go. It is an inconvenient truth. We are melting our planet. It's a big problem. The end. And I was like, what? I mean, like you opened the door, and then what? And he get fucking, I got nothing. And I, I thought I was stupid, Mike. I was like, well, hold on. Maybe there's something in the extras. Let me look at the DVD you know, table of contents here, see what else there is to do. Like, well, and then I was like, well, I didn't see anything. And I'm like, I just must be too stupid. So I go on the Google and I'm searching there and I'm like, what does Al Gore recommend to do for uh, global warming? And I found that he uh, drives a Prius and he suggests you, 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 you change your light bulbs for fluorescent light bulbs. And all I thought was screw you, Al Gore. I was now pissed off. This did not seem like me taking action of being a responsible human to tie into his mission. He didn't think through step two, mission first, money second. What are you going to, what am I going to recommend you do next? His whole book was about the problem. Instead of giving me a path to a solution to get anything, I was just pissed. Most people do this with their book and their message. They don't give anybody place to go. They get their, their, get their audience nodding their heads. Yeah, sounds great. And then what do you give them? Nothing. So they write the wrong book or they put the wrong message out there. So we do it differently. Mission first. Monetization, products and services and something next so you can help people. Then third, we market. Like banshees, brother. Brother. Mike, my, my, I recommend everybody today start marketing your message today. Right now. So let me go ahead and I'm going to give everybody, um, uh, I, I'm, I, everybody talk to me right now. Say something out loud. At least grunt at me. Right now, grunt. Everybody go, like mm. Trevor, say, say the name Trevor Crane. Say yes. Say something. Okay, you just talk to me. And you just talk to your publisher. Okay, I want to help you publish your book. And I am interested in you, in you sharing your message. What's more important than you reading my book or books is you get to share your message with the world. And I want to help you publish your book. So you just spoke to a publisher. This is what you can now tell everybody. You can say, I was just on this podcast. I was listening to this publisher. He said he wanted to help me publish my book. And what you do today is you start marketing your message. And it starts with the words, I'm publishing a book. And you spoke to a publisher today. Nobody talks to a publisher. And most people are too scared to. And most publishers are here to just blow smoke up your skirt and tell you what a great idea you got. And I already know that you've got genius inside of you. That's not a question. 
You've got amazing stories to tell. That's not a question. We got to figure out the best stuff for you to put into this book. Not everything in your book. Nobody wants to read the Encyclopedia Britannica of your freaking life. <laughs> they want to they know just enough to go ahead and get some amazing value from you and be entertained or change their lives or something around your insight and expertise into creating some kind of awesomeness, whatever that is for you. And your marketing starts today with your lips. You open your mouth and, or you, you get on your phone with your two thumbs and you text away and you say, I'm publishing a book. And I just spoke with a publisher and he wants to help publish. And here's what will happen. When you make, I call it a declaration that you're doing something. It's like drawing a line in the sand. I'm publishing a book. And don't just call up your mom. <laughs> that's, that's a start, I guess. But like put it up. Put it on, on your favorite social media channel. Put it up on LinkedIn. Put it up on Facebook. Make an Instagram post and go, I'm so excited. If you want to add to this, you go ahead and say, I'm so excited. I talked with a publisher today and he wants to help me publish my book. And now you're going to, and now everybody goes, oh shit, well, what is it about? And I don't know. And you don't need to know. One of my clients named Lisa Chastain did this uh, the beginning of 2017. In December of 2017, she, or no, hold on, December, January of 2017, I met her in December. She had a consultation with me like I'm speaking with everybody today and I gave her this basic blueprint of create the plan first. And then we created the marketing message for her, which I'm doing for you right now. And I gave her the script. I said, go on Facebook was where she wanted to connect with people. And she had zero list and she had lost in December. She had lost $300. Like she was for the last two years, she'd been running a business where she was losing money every single month. That was in, oh, it was in November. She was losing month in December. She made money because she started working with my wife. And in January, check this out. In January, I had this one consultation with her over the next 30 days. All she did was do two Facebook posts, not paid posts, no advertising, no nothing. She put a, a, a post in on Facebook that said, I'm so excited. I met with the publisher today. I'm going to be writing my book. And then I think she had a follow-up message like, if you'd like to know anything about that, like whatever, some kind of call to action message of, of let me know if you're curious or whatever. She, all she did is she treated every thumbs up, like, and smiley face and whatever she got from that. And she followed up with those. Those are leads. And she followed up with all those leads, mom, her cousin, whatever. And I gave her a script for how does she turn that marketing message into clients. She made $15,000, no, it was uh, $12,000 in the next 30 days. Wow. So from making a declaration statement, so you ask me how, does pe how do people take their book and monetize it? They don't do it from Amazon. Now I have clients that sell and make tens of thousands of dollars every month on Amazon book sales. That's cool. But the way that you start it is have the balls to go ahead and tell people you're publishing a book and then have the follow up and the follow through to have clarity about your messaging so that you can offer products and services on the back end and you get paid. Lisa averaged $15,000 a month in income for the whole year of 2017. In 2018, she was a keynote speaker at major women conferences. She's now appeared in Oprah Magazine, Entrepreneur Magazine. She's been asked to host her own shows. She gets interviewed all the time like this gal, and she started from nothing, but she started off understanding that to go down this path, she needed a mentor. She needed someone to tell her what to do, and she did something that very few people on this and today's podcast are going to do. She, she, well, she paid for the session, so she, was, she valued it, so she took action. She didn't just listen to some free podcast and say, well, that was worth what I paid for it. Hold on. I paid nothing for it, so it must be worth nothing. No, 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 no. Mm -hmm. 
he paid me a bucket load of money. And then she said, well, I better do what he says to do. So I'll make a declaration today. And that was on January 31st in the month of February, 2017. She closed $12,000 with a new business and it only went up from there. All because she got clear about her mission, a monetization plan, and then she opened her mouth to marketing. Her book didn't get done for six months. Didn't matter. She made over 10, an average of $15,000 a month every month between the day she opened her lips. And she didn't even know what, she had no idea of a cover, no idea of a title, not even sure it was going to be, what is even sure what it was going to be about. But she did have clarity about the path she was going to take them. So I start my clients marketing a message that makes a difference in people's lives. And because of my background of being really freaking good at selling high tickets products and programs and shit like that, my expertise is in helping people craft a blueprint so that they sell cool shit to people that want to, that has a massive impact. I'll breathe now, brother, because I heard you take a breath (laughs) a couple of times, but uh, let me see if I need to clear up any confusion. Go ahead. No, it's fine. I mean, the, the question that I was going to ask was, okay, it's great that she's able to do all those things, but how long did it take for the book to, to happen? Instead, it took six months, which basically means that the fact that you're going to be an author, the fact that you're marketing the, the mission or the message and all those things, that can be enough for some people to think, oh, this person knows what they're doing. This person clearly knows their stuff. Otherwise, there's no way they're going to be able to write a book, right? Because there's an element of knowledge that you need just to be able to write the thing. So, so here's the thing. Everybody, the pa- like how long did it take her to write her book? It didn't take her six months to write her book. I told her not to pick up a pen for three months. So for three months, she promoted her book. So here's the thing. Uh, the average client works with me for six to 12 months because I'm not interested. See, we can go ahead and put any words inside of a cover and publish it, and now you've got a published piece of shit. That is not the goal. Any marketing message, any quality marketing message that's going to make a difference is one that you test. Before you sit down and write your message, you need to get clear that your message makes a difference and it gets people's attention and they want to take action with you. And it is not this willy-nilly thing that now that they say I'm writing a book, I am now good enough for people to buy my shit. No, you need, a, you need a plan. You need a path. You need to understand how you monetize. If you don't understand the path to go ahead and from say, making a declaration to setting an appointment with someone to having a free conversation with someone to giving them the path to, to take action with you and quite frankly to not just sell people's willy-nilly shit like, hey, buy my stuff. That sucks. That is bad salesmanship. That is bad marketing. That, it, that doesn't work. You need to add massive amounts of value. What I did with Lisa and what I do with most of my clients, and I have a, a jumpstart program to help people get started with this, and I have an online course where I help people just do this, and they, they can do it on their own, and then they can do it with guidance and support and help. But for the first 90 days, you promote, man. And this is scary for people. For some people that want to work with me and they tell me they've got this great idea and they get on the first phone call with me and they, I, I try to make sure this doesn't happen anymore so that um, I don't waste a lot of my time. All they want to do is tell me about their story, about how they you know, came back from bankruptcy or they uh, swam over from Cuba or their dad used to beat them up or they used to be sexually molested or whatever the, the, their story. And their story is awesome, but that's not what people care about. People care about the person looking at them in the mirror when they brush their teeth. 
That's who they care about. They don't really give a shit about you and me. They care about themselves and what they're going to get at it, about it, out of it. And so all too often we write a book with this egocentric focus that is about us. So instead of doing that, I typically advise my clients not to write a word of their book. I mean, if you have divine inspiration and you want to get up and you want to write, you want to create, you're in the moment, you're in the flow and you want to capture it, awesome. But what you're going to have is you're going to have a whole, that, that's like, that's just doing all this extra stuff. Like I wrote my book in 24 hours because I got absolute crystal clear clarity about what would go in that book. And I had a ton of, sh I had two decades of shit written that I could have used. I had webinars and teleclasses and seminars and different things that I could, I had trans, I had thousands of pages of, 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 of manuscripts. That was not the problem. Imagine you're going on a trip, Mike, and you're like, and, and you didn't have time to pack your bag wisely, so you just threw in too much shit, and you end up on vacation, and you're like, what the hell? And then you come home, and you're like, I didn't use even 10% of what I packed. Am I the only yeah. idiot who's done that, or has that happened to you? Um, I, I've probably not done that before, but I've, uh, I normally pack light anyway. I'm not one of those that kind of throws stuff in and goes, well, I can officially move somewhere if I had to, because the amount of stuff that I've packed, I, I do like to pack just for the holiday. So you've seen it though, you've seen it, you've seen people that travel I with have, too much shit yeah. and that's what happens is people oftentimes put too much shit in their book. So what I advise people to do is get clear about your path and your plan first. To understand your marketing plan, to use a proven marketing plan, one that works. That's why we teach it in our program and I tell you what to do, at least for six weeks, to just get out there and test your messaging. And then not just test your messaging, but find people who go, shit, I would like to hire you. And they give them a compelling offer, something that they find irresistible, something that gives them a massive amount of value, something that gives you, gets you paid. Like I'll give you, there's a story of two clients I have. One of them was Lisa Chastain. I just told you that in 30 days she made 12 grand. I'll give you the other path of another one of my clients who came to me and already his book was done. He, he was with a traditional publisher and he was so proud of himself. He said, I got a tradition, I got a publishing deal. And for two years, working with this publisher, they, after two years, it was two and a half years, his book was finally coming out. But he was with a traditional publisher, which meant they wrote him a check and they, he signed away the rights for his book. You do not own your book. When you sign a deal with a traditional publisher, it ain't yours. Nope. It's somebody else's content now. And now you need to ask permission from the publisher about what you want in your cover. And then they don't, you don't get to guide when it's going to come out. You don't get to say what they're, you can do. They, they, everything's a pain in the ass. So I had to negotiate with this damn publisher, working with him to promote his book, to help him become a number one bestseller and work with him to create a campaign. We got him. He did like over, I think it was 20 or 30 radio interviews in a short period of time. He became a number one bestseller and all this. You know how much money he actually got paid? How much? 1500 bucks. That was his right. book signing deal. 1500 bucks. One five. He got paid $1,500 to give away the rights to his book. And it took him two and a half years to get them finally deem it ready for publishing. He didn't like the cover. He didn't like what was in it. His website was not even in the book. Now, Lisa had no fucking idea what her book was going to be about, but said, uh, I'm publishing a book and I'm really excited about it. And then she followed up with those leads and made 12 grand. You tell me, brother, which would you prefer? Well, I'd probably prefer to, yeah, I'd prefer the first option. The first one, you want the 1500 to be paid, you know what, you like the one, 1500 Oh, oh the uh, Lisa's one. <laughs> <laughs> You're like, oh shit, no, 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 I want, I want B, give me B. 
Okay. So there you go. So, so, so let me fill in any gaps that you feel like there, I need to go ahead and clear up for people. And then I can give everybody a path. And I, Oh, I, I said that I would ask, I give you all four questions to, um, I'll make sure yeah, that when yeah. you write your book, you, you write the right book. But what other gaps do I need to fill in for you? Well, I think <clears throat> it's probably based on the things that you said, because obviously the, the way that you're communicating is actually really good. But one of the things that I guess I'd like to maybe even just try and connect dots for people in the right way, because one of the, one of the concerns that I have is people will take this and go, oh, so this means I don't have to write the book then. I think part of the... Part of the, the idea behind it is you sell the idea, you sell the concept, you sell the intention, you sell the, the mission, you sell the message. I think that having the book as being the, the, one of the last things that actually finishes, so you might start the book, you might have all those things, but because you've done the, the marketing and you've got the business part of it set up beforehand, as you said, with the blueprint and the plan and everything, that then the book makes more sense. So people that have the book, people that have the, the book go, right, this is it. I'm just going to go and write the book, but I haven't done anything else. It's like a standalone thing. It's not part of anything. It doesn't lock into anything. It isn't a piece of the puzzle, if you will. So part of what I guess comes across is the whole thing is like a puzzle and each of them are pieces. And ultimately you can't just have, you can't finish the puzzle with one piece you can't finish the puzzle with just your book you need, you need to have a lot more different aspects to it so at least that's what i get from what you said and i'm just really curious to hear about these four questions so you said that you thought people might think not to write the book if, if people if you promise someone you're going to write a book and you don't you're a liar so that doesn't work so nope. that that is not the case so and, and what I said is that we sh you should market your book. You should market your message. You should do what Tony Robbins did before his book came out. He went ahead and he said to his whole audience months before the book came out, hey guys, I'm publishing a book. It's about money. I interviewed a lot of cool people about money who know a lot more about money and investing than I do. I, I wrote this book for you because I've got access to these millionaires and bazillionaires and whatever. And I'm just curious, what do you think would be the best title? So he had, I don't know, a million of his personal, close personal friends. <laughs> I was on the list. We got an email <laughs> from him that uh that said hey which book which title do you prefer a b c or d or e fill in the fill in the blank so i spent 30 minutes of my life brainstorming the best title for tony robbins book months before it came out and he had partnered with the biggest billionaires and gazillionaires on the planet he partnered all proceeds and profits from that book that came out went to Feeding America, which is the largest nonprofit organization in the world that feeds people. That's the mission. I heard that, yeah. what, 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 what moves him from he was a young man, he struggled uh, to, to, his family struggled to even have food for Christmas dinner or Thanksgiving dinner, and that was a whole core part of his core story. So awesome. everything came full circle. So he did a, over a year's worth of work and research, and he put a message out. And then he, before the book came out, before he got on Oprah, before he did Larry King Live, he asked his audience to take part in the process and engage me, and I thought, Tony Robbins cared about me and my thoughts about it. And he built a better relationship with me. And when that book came out, I went 
And he had an event after that book. The book, I think I paid $20 for. $20. And it was this gigantic book about as thick as an encyclopedia. It was like he, he did. He did. It was this huge book called Money I'm Master. I'm staring at it. Which was not the book that I, title that I picked. The bastard didn't take oh, my advice. I was going to ask that. <laughs> I know. Why did he <laughs> ask if he didn't listen? But then when he came to town, I, I bought $1,000 tickets to go to his event. And not just for me, but for my wife and for an employee and for one of my clients. And it was like over $5,000 to go spend four days of my life with him. And Tony changed my life several times over in different ways. In my, so over, it was a long time ago, 13 years ago or something. I went to one of my first events with him. And, and I just decided I wanted more. Thank God it wasn't a one-time event. He said, Trev, if you like this, uh, would you like some more? You can go ahead and work with me for the next year or two. And I said, well, yeah, this sounds awesome. And I, and I was like, but I don't have the money, Tony. And he actually asked me the question at the event. And he asked me. I'm treating it like he was only talking to me in a room. There was like a thousand <laughs> people there. Yeah, yeah. There was a thousand people there, but he's talking to me only. He was like, raise your hand if you think working, if you got value from the, this seminar you've been at the last couple of days. And I was like, me? And he was like, raise your hand if you think working with uh, me and my companies and what I've got planned for you over the next year or two would be worth doing. And if you get some value from it, it's like me, raise your, keep your hand up in the air. If you, if money weren't an issue, if you would do this and he's like, well, then I'm, then you're just like me. And that, and here's the thing is if you don't have the money, you can find a way. So keep your hand up in the air and someone's going to walk around with a piece of paper and they're going to hand it to you and they're going to talk to you about how you can work with me. And so I got busy and I didn't have the money. I didn't, I mean, dude, I didn't have, like I had $17 left on my credit card. And it was a $10,000 program. And I ran to the back of the room with this piece of paper in my hand. And I'm like, and I went up there and I filled out all the information except the credit card details. And they're like, well, what credit card are you going to put it on? I'm like, well, I don't have any money. <laughs> and they're like, well, are you, you know, you got it. It's $10,000. And I'm like, well, would you like to do the payment plan? Then it's $12,000. And I'm like, well, you don't think you fucking understand. Like, I have no money left. They're like, well, where's, what? What about your credit card? And I'm like, well, I'll put my credit card number down on there, but don't charge it. Like, don't, don't, don't charge. I mean, I don't have, there's, I need enough money to buy a sandwich. Like, unless you're going to take like $5, like I can't do it. Like I had planned on going to the event to get my money back. I was like, fuck this Tony Robbins guy. I'll just get a refund halfway through and get my money back. And then I'll have more money. And you know, so that didn't work. <laughs> and no. Then they're like, well, how do you plan on paying for this? I'm like, I don't know, man. Tony just said, like, raise your hand and you can find a way. And they're like, well, we do have this plan. Where if you can come up with the money in the next 10 days, we'll honor the deal. You'll be, you'll be contacted by our, your personal account representative. Her name is Angie Carpio McCall. <laughs> Gave me a call within the next 24 to 48 hours. And I had a call with her, and she's like, well, how, how are you going to pay for this when you can come up with the money? I was like, I don't know, but I'm going to do it. <laughs> <laughs> and, and, I, and it took me 12 days, but I came up with 10 grand. I'm not going to tell that story now because it'll take too long. But I got <laughs> the money from fucking nothing. And like in a magical way. It's a cool story. But hold on. What was my, my thing? You do need to deliver on your promise. So the reason that I have you market your message before you write your book is to make sure your book is badass. It was the difference between the today's subject is the difference between being a starving author who writes a great book 
but doesn't have great marketing and no monetization plan. So the mission goes nowhere. And instead of doing that, you write a great book, you make it epic, be an epic author and be an epic author that gets clear about your mission, a monetization plan that gives people next steps to go ahead and work with you where you can add massive amounts of value. This is not about you being a greedy bitch. It's about you stop being selfish and really think about how else you can help people. And then you create a marketing message that you test market and you talk to people and you find out whether or not they like what you got planned. And then you make a book that's badass. Even James Patterson who's one of the world's uh, greatest authors, living authors, and he's written just about everything awesome. I took a master class from him. I think the master class system is like you pay a hundred bucks or something like that to, to take a class from these people who are geniuses. And he said, when you get your, wrap your head around an idea for a book, before you go write the whole thing, talk to people about it. Ideally, you talk to people who are going to read your book. <laughs> and yes. they want to read the book, and then you tell them about your idea and look them in the eyeballs. Don't just tell your mom. This is literally what he said. He said, don't just tell people that love you and just going to blow smoke up your ass. He didn't say the smoke up your ass part, but that's what he was getting at. He's like, oh, talk to people that might be your readers and see if they like are compelled, if they like the story. Then if they, if they don't, don't write that book. Like find a story that they want to fucking hear. That's what I'm telling everybody to do today. And then, the, then getting that book done, when you get the clarity first, dude, you can do it fast. And do you need to sit down and write your book? Yes. Now, there's cool ways to do it. There's cool ways you don't have to sit down with a pencil and bang it out. Like I typically speak my stories out first. It, it becomes a better, more conversational thing. And then you can have that transcribed and you put it into a book. And I said, dude, when we did the dream house thing, it wasn't you at the Home Depot at the end of the story. Now you finally did it and you bought your piece of land. Go out to Oklahoma and over the next 24 months, you build your house. And fuck no, that is not it. You've got the blueprint from the architect, I'm your architect, like a prophet. Uh, make sure that your, your blueprint will make you profit and be profitable for you. So you're going to write a badass book that makes a difference. And then you get a general contractor to help you write that book. That's why I started the publishing company so that I knew that there's a lot of different variables, just like in a house, man. There's a roofer, an electrician, and a plumber, and, 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 and the, the, folk, the painter, and all kinds of stuff. And you bring those people in at different times. And in the case of writing your book, you need to hire a writer. <gasps> but I don't want to hire a writer. That costs money. It's my story. I want to be a self-made millionaire. And it's my book. I'm writing and it's my book. Okay, I get <laughs> it. But are you a professional writer? Because it kind of makes sense to get some help. Like I hire three people to help me write every book I publish. I've got 12 of them. And then I hire an editor to do editing. And guess what? It's not the same person that helps me write the book because that's a different job. It's like, hey, electrician, like imagine an electric, uh, a plumber at your house and his pants are down and you can see the crack of his ass and he's just great at like fixing your broken sink. And you're like, you know what? Do you have any extra time? My kid, I'm going out, uh, you know, we need a nanny. Would you nanny Mr. Plumber? Fuck no, that is not <laughs> your nanny. Why do we think that you go ahead and I'm going to write it, I'm going to edit it, I'm going to format it, I'm going to do all the marketing, I'm going to create the funnel, I'm going to figure out, I'm going to figure out Scrivener, I'm going to, whatever the tools are, the, we think we got to do it all. It is insane. Instead, you get a team of people to help you and they fucking do their jobs really well. You know, they, they go ahead and you have a writer write, an editor edit, a formatter format. 
and you use you use like what 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 smart rich people use is that you use the power of other people. You find people to come in and do a really good job, and they do it. it doesn't have to cost you a lot of money, but you you make sure that you do it the right way. If you do it this way, if you reverse engineer your book so that it's a success from the beginning, meaning that you have a mission that you have clarity around, a monetization plan that makes sense, you can freaking help people. Then you go ahead and understand your marketing and you have people clamoring. The bigger you're, this is helping you grow your message and your platform of badassery. And now you can get this book done really fast. And the how-to of that, that's what I teach. If you go to epicauthor.com, you can find my newest training about this. I'll give all your guests today, Michael, a, um, a gift of one of my books. And, I'll, and I'll, oh, I said I'd give you the four questions as well. So I know we've gone long. So, um, Go ahead and ask me any questions you've got that I can tie in and then I'll give those four questions. I know I went off on a tangent, but you said a couple things there that were like trying to read people's mind and I wanted to reframe that. No, it's fine. I mean, I, I guess part of the the idea is is I don't want people to think that either. Like, I don't want people to think that they can just do good marketing and that's it. Like, sometimes it's, it's the marketing that can sell it, but then at the end of the day, if you want something to happen after they've read the book, i.e. buy something more expensive or do whatever it is, like the, the story you shared with Tony, is it, it's about if the book's not good enough, then you won't want to do anything else afterwards. They'll probably leave a bad review with the book and they'll probably the hate everything. And put it out there, people are going to know it's shit. I don't care how pretty the box is. So you're right. It needs to be, you need to put a, put a quality <laughs> The reason that you do the marketing at the front end is that you make sure that your message makes a difference to people in the first place and gets their attention. Yeah. So let me do this, Michael. Let me put the four questions to everybody. So Go for it. that at the beginning. So um, they, they sound so simple, though. Uh, there's the problem is that everybody's going to think, well, screw you. I didn't wait around all this time to hear those four questions. And But I, I teach this, and I have a live event called Epic Author Live. And this is at the forefront like I could spend a weekend just on these four questions they're really key but the words are the questions are who question mark <laughs> what question mark why question mark and what's next who what why what's next these are the questions that should help you pick the title for your book so here they are who is your book for now I ask this question Every day I talk to a new author, I'm like, who's your book for? Nine times out of 10, they don't know the answer. They will open their mouth and start to speak and kind of start flailing around. And they'll say, well, this book could be good for everybody. Um, you know, so I mean, and then they blah, 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 blah. And it's kind of like Charlie Brown's teacher. There's a whole bunch of wah, 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 wah. And I don't really know who they've got it planned for. So here's my question for you. It's to give you guys clarity. Your who is who your ideal reader is if you could pick one person, like one, one, like a gender, a man or a woman. How old are they? Because my daughter's 11, right? Is you, are you writing your book for her? And I'll ask them that. And they'll go, well, well probably she. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm like, you're a financial advisor and your book's going to be around financial planning and your ideal reader would be my <laughs> daughter who's 11. And they're like, well, okay, probably not. Probably not. And I'm like, and my, grand, my, uh, my, my father-in-law is 75 or whatever. Is a book for him? Well, okay, probably, probably not because it's about getting abs or something like that. I'm like, it doesn't make sense. So <laughs> about the ideal person, if you could pick one person, only one, imagine you're going to go make Christmas cookies 
and you're given one little cookie cutter shape, and you either get to pick the Santa Claus or the Christmas tree or whatever it is, you get to punch out one person, one age, one profession. Where do they live? Do they live in Oklahoma or do they live in Miami? Where are they? Who is this one person? And to give everybody, a, probably nine times out of ten also, I'm going to give everybody a shortcut to this. When you are brushing your teeth tonight or tomorrow morning, whatever it is for you, I'm hoping you do it a couple times a day, <laughs> when, look in the mirror. It is quite likely that your reader, your ideal person, is staring right back at you. Write a book for some, the, 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 about something that you would like to read and create a product or a program on the back end that you would like to take. And it's quite likely that the person that you can help is somebody just like you a couple of years ago before you figured out that thing. Yeah. And it's not always the case. You might be an old woman and you're looking to help young men. That's totally fine. I don't know what the, your bag is, but, but that's why you're really clear about your who. And then you write that for that person. So I'm sure you've heard of the author uh, J.K. Rowling in the, yeah. the Harry Potter series, right? Yeah. Who was that book written for? Who was that book series written for? Well, it's, it's written for, for kids that I imagine primary school age, so maybe single digits, like up to 10. Cool. Do you know any uh, adults that like that book too? Yeah. So here's the thing. If you write your book for a core audience, let's say little primary school kids that are less than 10, maybe six to 10, six to, I mean, my daughter's now 11 and she kind of thinks the Harry Potter thing's a little fruity compared to when she was like six. Yeah. She probably yeah. nailed it. She's like that. She was completely hot crazy about it. But I'm the one that took her to Disneyland to go to Harry Potter land. I guess it's called Islands of Adventure. And I bought her three of those stupid magic wands. And I bought her bucket. I bought gallons of butter beer on the back end because that's what they sell there. And I bought her and her mom bought her a, a cape. So now she can dress up like Hermione Granger. And then I've taken, like, come on. Like, and, then, and then I can't wait to go get a stupid play, go on the roller coaster thing that they do with the thing. So it appeals to a broader audience. It often will. That's okay. People think that they, I don't want to cut anybody out. I want it to be write a book for everybody. If you write a book for everybody, you wrote a book for nobody. If you think your marketing message is for everyone, it's for no one. Have one core person that you're writing for and it, the appeal will have a broader appeal. If you want to work with women, then write a book for women. Use a women tone. Notice, I don't know if you notice, Mike, but I curse every now and then, like a, a little yeah. curse word drips out. I don't know. We didn't talk about that before the podcast. It's completely like, fine. You're going to be like, bleep, 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 bleep. Like, what the fuck did Trevor <laughs> just do? Like, he curses too much, right? Like, some people are, oh, offended. I don't like this guy. And they're like, you're hanging up. And other people are like, yeah, man, go get him. Like, remember Eddie Murphy did that stand-up way back when, Delirious, where he cursed a lot? That was one of my yeah. favorites. It's like, he had my number. I was like 13 years old or something, and he's here, or whatever it was, and he was like, F this and F that. And I'm like, yeah, man, that's what I, I liked. It. So you write for the core audience. See, but if I'm writing for Catholics or, or Jews or whatever I'm writing for, men or women or this or that, then I have to write in their tone so that they can hear it. This is where people jack it up because they don't think about who cares about this message. Who are you writing this book for? Then the next question is, what is it about? And so you need to make sure that you have like a little one-liner so people understand it. 
like a big pitch that was made to Hollywood at one stage was that was like really famous. I can't remember it exactly, but it was like a one-liner of like hot nurses, um, you know, in a hospital, like whatever. It was like like some like sexy nurses working in a hospital. They're like sweet, like I get it. That sold. Like it was one line. Like, they're like that's what we need. You know, uh, uh, what was the, what, how would you do a one-liner on, what's that thing, Cougar Town? I have never seen the movie, the t- TV show Cougar Town, but I think it's about, like, suburban housewives that are kind of hot hitting on younger men. It's like, all right, I got it. I know what it is. Like, that's what it's about. If you, now, you don't have to write about sex. You can write about monkeys, money, whatever you want to write about, but you have to be <laughs> able to describe it. Because if you go, again, if you ask somebody, so what's your book going to be about? And here's what you hear. And you're like, what the fuck did they just say? And everybody here who's listening right now knows you've heard somebody at a networking event or somewhere and you go, hey, how are you? What do you do for a living? And they open their mouth and they don't shut the fuck up. And you're like, what the hell are they saying? I don't know anything. You're just like, get me out of here. That's what people hear typically when they hear a marketing message is they just don't understand what it is. So you need to be clear about it. What is it about? And then the why question is the most important question of these four. Why do any, does anybody care? So Mike, do you have the, um, you're familiar with Tim Ferriss who wrote the Mm -hmm. book Four hour work week. Yeah. Okay. So I'm going to do this little test for everybody on the who, what, why, what's next. Okay. Just on the who, what, why these are the four questions. Who, what, why, what's next. Um, Mike, what is the um, book, The 4-Hour Workweek? Uh, well, let's just do the who. Who's it for? The 4-Hour Workweek. Uh, I think I read it. So it would be for people that want to work more efficiently. Okay. People on, and who, who might that be? 4-Hour Workweek. So people that I'd imagine that have their own businesses, people that have a, a high work rate or people that could be burnt out or whatever the case is, and they, they want mm-hmm. the solution for that. And you're an entrepreneur, right, brother? Yeah. Okay. So entrepreneurs tend to answer, answer this question based on their own perspective that everybody is an entrepreneur and business owner. So they'll answer the question. Off. I ask this question all the time. And they're like, I know. If they're, if they're a business person and an entrepreneur, they're like, this book, The 4-Hour Work Week, is for business owners because us business owners work like 100 hours a week and we still don't get enough done and we don't have enough time. Like, it must be for the entrepreneur. So that's fine. Uh, people who have jobs typically will say, I mean, what do t- people typically work? Working 9 to 5. Dolly Parton actually gave this one away. So I just gave it away. So how about people that work a 40-hour work week? Might course, they yeah. be interested in it? Now, they may call bullshit. They may be like, you can't do that. I would only get paid $18 times four hours would be, I don't know, something like not enough money, right? Yeah, yeah. But it could be possibly, I don't know. So then let's look at the rest of it. What is the book about? Now, don't be too thoughtful here. I'm not trying to, this isn't rocket science and I don't care that you wrote the book. Just look at the title for the four-hour work week. Don't be tricky. Don't be cute. Just what is the book about? It's about working four hours a week. There you go. It's pretty simple, right? I'm, I don't know much about this book, but I'm guessing it must be about uh, working four hours. What's the title? The Four-Hour Workweek. Real genius here. <laughs> you know? But you understand, instead yeah. of the titles you've seen on some books, and you're like, blah, 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 blah. I don't know what the hell that is. Now, why would anybody care? So let me give you the subtitle of this book. Why would anybody care? Now, there's two parts of why. Problems and results. What are the problems that this book solves? And what are the results that you that this book will deliver or that you want to deliver? See, Al Gore only covered one of these. There's a problem. 
Global warming. What's the result? We're going to fucking die. What, what's the result that people want? Not global warming. How do you do that? I don't know, but it's a big problem. And then I just got pissed off about it. So he only got half the formula. He got my attention, but then he pissed me off. So now here's the thing. So what? So everybody do this. If you're trying to craft the right message for you, just take a piece of paper, draw a line down the center, and on one part, up at the top, put problems, and up at the other side, put results. What are the problems that people have, That you, this who, that people have? What are, what are they? You know, write down a list of these problems. And on the other side, write down all the results. And guess what? You get to go do homework. You now get to go interview people. That is marketing, shit-ass fun marketing. <gasps> and did you guys just say today, I'm publishing a book? <gasps> and did people give you thumbs up and like, oh my God, what is it going to be? You have people to talk to. You have people to interview. And you can say, mm -hmm. hey, uh, could I interview you for my new book coming out? And they're like, sure. So you schedule a 10-minute interview with them. You record the interview on Zoom or some kind of free thing, or you hold out your phone and you hit record, and you're like, can I record this interview and potentially use it for my new book because I am an author? And then you, you're like, what do I ask them? And you go, so, Mike, uh, what problems are you having right now? That You can ask it sexier than that, but you probe <laughs> for the problems that are going on. And then you're like, I'm just curious, Mike, um, if you were to create amazing, phenomenal results, what do you want? What's a big goal you have? What are the, what are the things you want? And then probably it's like the opposite of all the problems, right? I want more oh, money. Yeah. Great. Like, yeah. so, so, but these are what you probe for. So now let's look at the subtitle of the four-hour work week, and we're going to wrap this up. Uh, what, what is it? It's uh, the four-hour work week is escape the nine to five escape the nine to five is the first part of the subtitle. Dude, is that a problem or is that a result? Is that talking about the problem or result? Escape the nine to five. Well, it seems a bit of both, doesn't it? Because obviously escape the nine to five means the people reading it are probably in the nine to five. Yeah, you, what do you escape? Do you escape a happy marriage? <laughs> do you escape <laughs> an amazing orgasm? No, you escape from prison. What is a prison? Nine to five. It's saying that's the fucking problem. The problem is to escape the nine to five. The problem is that. What's the result? Well, it's actually getting out of it. What would, the, what would that be? Uh, the four-hour work week. I get it. What's the next part? It is uh, live anywhere. Is that a yep. problem or a result? Result. Damn skippy. I get to live anywhere. Where do most people live? Fucking someplace they got to do. They got to be in the car going from back and forth to work. How long is the average commute? 30 minutes, an hour? Where is it? They all want to work in New York City, but they have to live in New Jersey. So then they're stuck in traffic all the time or they're on the subway or whatever. And they're like, fuck, if I'm going to work on Wall Street, I got to be on Wall Street. Where do they want to? If they see that as a problem, then the result is living anywhere. What's the problem on the, on the flip side of living anywhere? Not being able to live anywhere. My kid's going to this school and I'm a parent now and so I got to live here in the middle of freaking podunk wherever. So they want, that, that's a problem or result. Now, if people call bullshit on this, let's say that you're a CEO of a big company with all these people and you look at the four-hour work week and you're like, well, fuck that. Like I talk to people about the four-hour work week and they're like, that's bullshit. Can't do that. You know, and, and I find out that they're like a big executive that works for some big old company. Like, no fucking doubt. Because not for them, man. They got to have a tribe of people. They got thousands of people working for their company. Working nine to five. Like, it's not going to work to go ahead and even believe that it's possible. So if anybody calls bullshit, this book is not for them. Which is freaking great. Because this book was for people who were trying to escape the nine to five, live anywhere. And the final part of the subtitle was join the new rich. Is that a problem or a result? Result, definitely. Damn Skippy. And then all I was like, was there, there was one? Like, what do you mean? There's a new rich and I get to join them? 
Like, what is this book about? Why do I care? It is going to deliver problems and solve results. See, most people don't do this. So the who, what, why, and then what's next, the what's next part, if you think of a bullseye, that's the center, dude. What's next? Where are you going to lead them? Where are you going to lead them next? Hopefully to your products and services that are going to make you a shit ton more money than this book. The book is the gateway. The book is the key that opens up the door to have them get more of your greatness. That's what makes an epic author. Somebody that actually makes a difference in people's lives. Not that puts their best stuff in a book and then shuts the hell up and then builds passive income, which is total crap. You actually got to figure out how to help people and continually reinvent yourself to figure out who else you can help. And Apple didn't come out with the Apple phone and that was it. We have the Apple 10,000 now. You know, <laughs> and, yeah, and pretty much iPhone 10,000. And then, it, then guess what? Next year, there's going to be iPhone 11,000 or whatever it is. You know, what I mean? it, it, so it, it never stops. And the book is the beginning. Everybody needs one. And as I said before, what's more important than you reading any word of mine or hearing anything I have to say, and Michael, God bless your brother, but before anybody listens to any more of your bullshit, <laughs> what's more <laughs> important than that? is that people learn how to share their own story and vision and message because that can change the world. And I'll, leave one, I'll say one last thing. Earlier this year, a friend of mine committed suicide. And he was a client of mine. And I would have thought that with being any, that a friend of mine and someone who had been a client of mine, would, there is no way on God's green earth that anybody anywhere close to associated to me could ever be experiencing that kind of pain because I think I'm so happy and nice and great and whatever. Like, I, I just, I, I don't know. Like, I, did, I couldn't even freaking fathom it. But he was suffering and in pain and in ways that I don't even know. You know, here's, I was really upset about it. I'm still not thrilled about it, as you can imagine. Mm -hmm. But what I chose to believe, it wasn't my fault. I didn't do it. I did what, you know, I, I, don't, I don't take on any of that onus, but I do own the fact that it was a call to action for me, that I have a mission because I believe that him hearing my, he read my book or books. He read my story, The Gift. I, I did write that book about that, that, that saved my life during my bankruptcy and when I lost all my shit. It's called What's the Gift? If anybody goes to whatsthegift.com, I give that book away for free. So you can go to whatsthegift.com and you can get that as a book for free. But I would have thought that type of message and just being associated with me would like, it would never let him check out. But what I believe is that had I done a better job of, of helping you publish your book, whoever's listening right now, that maybe your story would have touched Steve and he'd still be here. Because he wanted to share his story and he wanted to, he wanted to write his book and he wanted to make a difference for his family, his father, his kids, his wife. And now he's gone. He's gone from this planet and, it, and, and whatever I had to offer him wasn't enough. In fact, he said, fuck you, I'm out. And so I believe that your message matters and your message can make a difference and your message can change the world. And I would love for you to find out how to clarify that message so it makes a difference in people's lives. And if you would like to gift me with the honor of helping guide you there, then go to epicauthor.com and I have a free training and I'll give everybody um, a link to one of my books. Go to trevorcrane.com forward slash write a book. trevorcrane.com forward slash write a book. 
and you'll get my my book for free. It'll show you how to write your story and it gives you all the how-tos. And if you'd like some help, that's what I do. My whole business, my whole life, my whole purpose, my whole mission is about help, helping people make a difference with their message and because I believe that your message is required and that there are people whose lives are depending on you sharing your story. And maybe stop being scared and stop being selfish and figure out how to tell your story so that it does make a difference because it does to someone out there and people's lives are hanging in the balance. That's all I got for you, brother. Well, that is a very, very good way to end. I mean, the only, the only question that I have left for you, and it's only because I ask all my guests this, Trev, so we've had funny uh, answers to serious answers to quite simple answers as well. So we can talk about anything. It's sort of short and sweet, and it's what would you like the world to know about you that it doesn't already know? Um, okay, something you guys don't know. I've, I've talked talk about a lot of stuff, but something you don't know is I exercise every day. Uh, so I, it, this is kind of silly, but years ago after I filed my bankruptcy, I recognized that I had patterns I was running that didn't, weren't serving me. And like I used to say something all the time and I'd say I'm consistently inconsistent. Like I was bragging, like I would say, like I would start a diet for a week or two or three <laughs> yeah. and I'd start working out for a couple of months and then I'd quit. And I didn't want anybody telling me what to do, not even myself. And I was asked the question one time, I was reading a book um, and I uh, it was called The World Class Secrets, The 122 Secrets of the World Class, something like that. I can't remember the name of the book exactly. Anyway, it doesn't matter. They asked me the question about discipline. And I didn't want it in my life. Like I had taken the word discipline and taken it out of my vocabulary. I'm really weird sometimes, but I didn't want anybody restricting me. <laughs> and I realized I didn't even know how to define it. So it took me like three days. I can be that dense to like figure out my own definition of the word discipline. And I believe for me, I came up with my definition is that it's doing something every day. And, I, and it's not just something, not like jerking off, not like brushing my teeth, but doing something that's actually good for me, good for my family, and, and for the, also for the greater good. Yeah. And so I was like, what could I do to just draw a line in the sand and do a demo, just give myself uh, the demonstration of like just doing something every day so I can prove to myself that I can be disciplined because shit, I just filed a bankruptcy and I'm feeling pretty bad about that. <laughs> you can imagine. Yeah. I felt like I left a lot of people that let a lot of people down. And as much as I wanted to blame other people, it was all my fault. And so I was like, well, what could I do? And so I just decided to exercise. And I thought, you know, I'm, I'm not going to be Arnold Schwarzenegger or whatever, or the rock. That's actually who I'd like to look like right now. But I'm like short and white and he's like gig a gigantic brown mountain. So whatever, we have a little bit of a problem there, but, but, um, <laughs> I just decided I would exercise and like, how is that good for me? Well, if I need energy and I need to be alive and I'm going to lead people, I can't just be a fat slob. Like I need to actually, I, I need, I need to be alive. Like if I'm not, I can't be here and helping anybody if I'm going to be dead and eat cupcakes every day. So I'm like, well, that's good for me. And then how's it good for my family? Well, I need to be present and alive and healthy for them. And how does it help others? Well, maybe I could demonstrate the discipline to exercise every day. So it started off with a 90 day challenge. And today is, let me just see real quick, because I, I, I have it written down every day. Today 
is 2,919 days in a row that I've exercised every single day in a row. Wow. And uh, just, just out of curiosity, what would, what would like mean that you exercise? So would it be like a, a two-minute jog on the spot? Would it be like 10 star jumps? Would it be a 20-minute walk? Or, or is, are we talking like a full-on like hour in the gym? Really great question. A lot of people don't ask. Okay. So when I was asked the question about discipline, I needed to define it for me. And the same thing about this workout. Like, okay, I needed to define the rules. And oftentimes we create rules that are very difficult for us to maintain for any length of time. Yeah. You know, we, like let's say it's a rule we have about how we're going to feel loved or how we're going to feel successful or a rule about how, what makes us happy. And we're like, if somebody shits in, in our ha- like or does something bad to us, we like feel sad. If we, make, if we make a sale, we're happy. And if we don't make a sale, we're sad. And so we're on this emotional roller coaster because we don't create our own rules. So in the case of the working out, I'm like, well, for me, to, it's, it's 20 minutes. So it's 20 minutes a day for me. And it could be anything. So literally, it could be running, it could be martial arts, it could be soccer, it could be basketball, it could be, I was at Disneyland all day carrying my daughter around, and I'm like, that counts. <laughs> I was so dead, so I'm tired. That was more like a 12-hour day. So it depends. A buddy of mine was moving, and I spent all day moving heavy boxes back and forth. I was like, my back was killing me, my arms were killing me, I'm like, that counts. And then some, sometimes it's, I just sit there and do push-ups. I do yoga. I've done I, – so I, I mix it up. I go snow skiing. I've done a variety of shit. But I've like, this is cool because now I can do anything. I can go play tennis. I can do a variety of fun stuff. So it's 20 minutes a day, and sometimes it might just be stretching because when I was sick in Mexico, I drank the wrong water, I guess, and I was all sick and, and vomiting yeah. and like, feeling like I was going to die. But I needed to work out. Like, how the hell was I going to do that? I was vomiting every two seconds. So, I was like, in, in between vomits, I just stretched. Because, you know, you can't work out with weights every single day because that's insane. Because it just doesn't make sense. So, I ha- it's about health and vitality. So, sometimes I find it's 2 o'clock in the morning and I'm like, <gasps> my rule also is that it counts as long as I didn't go to sleep. Like, I get as long as I work out before I go to sleep. I've been caught on airplanes where I'm like, oh, I'm on a 24-hour flight. What am I going to do? And so then I'm in the aisle doing push-ups <laughs> or, or doing something, you know, doing um, <laughs> tricep extensions. And, yeah, the airline stewardess will come in and ask you to stop. And I say, you know, you know how much I care about that, Michael? Fucking zero. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, I don't give a shit. Fine. I'll go fucking I'll, I'll do, go into the bathroom and do, I, I'll, I'll, I found a way. And a lot of people find excuses. I could easy, easily stop. But I decided that this discipline would show up sometime to help me help my clients. What I found when I started coming out of my bankruptcy and building things back, one of my clients, another, she was suicidal. And uh, she had $40,000 in debt. And she'd been a nun. Like I would have never thought that an ex-nun like the smart, happiest, nicest gal you've ever met in a million years would like be suicidal. But to her, $40,000 of debt was the worst. And I was able to, I'd had a, I filed a $2.2 million bankruptcy not a couple years before. So I was like, girlfriend, don't worry about it. Like I already, I've already gone through this. And I realized that my story mattered to her. She's one of the first people whose lives I think I changed and helped on the back of my bankruptcy when I felt like I was the biggest piece of shit on the planet because I learned to share my story and I had the courage. I didn't publish my first book until after all that bad shit happened. 
And I was really scared to publish things and tell people all the bad stuff that had happened to me. But I found when you share that, that it actually connects with people, it helps people. And so that discipline of every day for me has made all the difference. And the ripple effect in my life for my relationships, my business, everything has gotten a thousand times better. Well, Trev, that's another amazing way to end again. Great story there doing the push-ups in the aisle of the, of the plane. I can, I can imagine you doing that. I really could. And uh, yeah, awesome. Well, Trev, thanks for being a guest on the show. Those of you that are listening, make sure you subscribe. Make sure you share this one out. I've made too many notes to count how many pages. And Trev, thanks again. I'm sure we'll keep in touch. Thank you, Michael. Talk to you soon.